This is Great Day Nation presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Morton Anderson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Freeze Pops. Tommy, how the hell are you? What do we got this week, buddy? Morton, thanks as always for having me. I'm doing great because it's championship weekend. It's upon us. Mm. Bengals at Chiefs in the AFC, 49ers at Rams in the NFC, We'll have a full preview of both games in our Fast Five segment later on in the podcast. But before we get to the games, we have an incredible guest for you guys. Super Bowl champion, defensive player of the year, eight-time All-Pro, Hall of Famer, the legend, Ed Reed, joins the show for an amazing conversation about his career, the state of the Ravens, the state of Miami football, the state of football in general, mm. much, much more. He was fantastic. He didn't and hold back. Ed, he didn't hold he back. He never hold back. That's why we love Ed Reed. He was yeah. great. Oh, yeah. And uh, you'll have more on him and your game winner, as you always do at the end of the podcast. But before we get to Ed Reed, let's get to the opening kick. Morton Anderson kicks off. And it's a beauty through the end zone. And Morton Anderson has been doing that with regularity this season and throughout his illustrious career. Shaboy! This weekend was amazing if you're a football fan. Four tightly contested games with three of them decided by the kicker from the visiting team. It validates what I've been saying for a long time now. Kickers are one of the most valuable assets on a football team, and they're difference makers every week, and especially deep in the playoffs when teams are evenly matched. Kickers are judged more harshly than any other position. They're victims of their own success. The bar's been raised, and if you're not hitting 80%, you're not even average anymore. These guys are good, and the four who kicked this past weekend were excellent. Evan McPherson, Robbie Gold, Matt Gay, and Harrison Butker all made a difference for their teams, and it makes me smile because it finally was unavoidable for mainstream media to avoid these guys. Normally kickers are an afterthought, rarely mentioned, but when all four winning teams benefit from the excellence of the kicking position, then voila, it's in vogue to get your kicks. I cannot wait for the championship weekend, and here's hoping that the games are as good as we just witnessed. And I predict that a kicker will once again trot onto the field, make a difference for his team, propelling it to the biggest stage in football, the Super Bowl. Of those four, Morton, who's your favorite kicker? Right now, I would have to go with Evan McPherson from a confidence standpoint. He had four field goals against Tennessee, two over 50, a 52-yarder to win it, a 54-yarder earlier, a 40-some-yarder and a 30-some-yarder. I mean, that is strong. He's got a strong leg, and you can tell looking in his eyes that he's just very focused and confident. So I like Evan McPherson. Uh, You know, Harrison Butker, he's been there in the big games with Kansas City, so you have to look to him. But he struggled a little bit. He missed an extra point. He missed a short field goal. So, I mean, he'll he'll right the ship. I wouldn't say he's in a slump by any means. He did make a 49-yarder to put it into overtime at the end. That was a big, big kick. Had to have it. Uh, Robbie Gold, he's been steady Eddie all the way back to his Bears days. So, I mean, he's playing really well. And he had a big kick, a 45-yarder against Green Bay in the snow. 
Uh, Matt Gay got a little bit of revenge because he played against Tampa Bay, who earlier had cut him. I think a year earlier, two years earlier, had cut him. It's always sweet to go back and hit the team that cuts you and fires you right where it hurts. How do you like me now? How do you like me now, baby? Matt Gay to the crib. So they've all, for different reasons, played really well. But I would say if I'm to favor a guy, it's that young stud, Evan McPherson for the Bengals. Yeah, and he was great in the postgame, too. I hope that this is the start of uh, a little kicking celebrity going on here in Cincinnati. You know, let's get some more famous kickers out there in the mix, right? Let's get them into the mainstream. Yeah, let, I, you know me. Let's 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 push it out there. I'm all for it. <laughs> all right. Before we get to your conversation with Ed Reed, I wanted to tell you about our friends from BetMGM. BetMGM is the king of sports books, and they have a really cool promotion going on right now for new players. Bet $10 to win $200 if your team scores a touchdown. Bet on any NFL money line, and if your team scores a touchdown, you'll receive an additional $200 in free bets. Must be 21 or older to play. Legal in Arizona, New Jersey, Indiana, Colorado, Tennessee, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. only. Full terms and conditions apply. BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks, and it's the official odds maker of Great Dane Nation. All right, let's get to that conversation with the great Ed Reed. Let's kick it. My guest today is another Hall of Fame brother, the ball hog, synonymous with the U, synonymous with Baltimore and the Ravens, synonymous with explosive plays on defense, interceptions for touchdowns, Fumble recoveries, hard hits. You get the point. <laughs> and it's Ed Reed in the house. Ed, thanks for joining the Great Day Nation, brother. Oh, man. Great to be on with you, brother. How you doing? Fellow loose, well, Louisiana guy from Destrahan High School. Yeah. And when I was doing my research, Ed, on you, I saw that you and I got a few things in common besides Louisiana. You were a long jumper in high school, and I think at the U maybe, too. Yeah. So sure. was I. I jumped 20 feet, 11 inches. You got me, man. 24 feet? Man, I didn't know that, man. If that's what you say, more than that. You, you jumped 24 feet? Man, back in the day. Back in the day. I think that playing different sports, at least for me, I played track and field. <clears throat> I was a gymnast. And then, oh. of course, I kicked. I think that that cross-training, that doing different sports, helps you as a ball player, as a football player. Do you agree with that? I highly agree with that. Um, you know, I work with a lot of kids, and uh-huh. especially like the last few years, man, I noticed that coaches are telling kids and parents are just letting their kids play one sport. They're doing it like year round, you know, and I, I'm not a big fan of that. You know, like when I recruit kids, um, I ask them, do they play other sports? You know, just because I know that you learn something different from playing a whole nother sport, you know? So, yeah, man, I didn't know that about you, more. That's awesome. Yeah, man. but all, and also when you do different, like gymnastics for me, I had the core and the flexibility that really helped me in kicking. And I would say like jumping, and you did the javelin too. Yeah. The explosiveness and the different muscle groups and the muscle memory that you use in different sports. As a defensive back, you're spending a lot of time running backwards and pivoting. Yeah. <laughs> Backwards, pivoting and then forward, changing directions, right? Yeah. Coming to balance. 
you know what I'm seeing now? I'm just seeing guys poor tackling. Oh yeah, it's different. The techniques, what? The techniques, yeah, are what? Properly. It looks like guys are overrunning plays. They're not coming to balance. There's no head across the bow. There's no same arm, same leg. One steps and wrap, two steps and squeeze. Yeah. You know the fundamentals. The lost art. The lost. Why? Art. Why? Why is that it? I don't know, man. I mean, it could be a lot of factors. For one, you got to want to do it. You got to want to do it on defense. I think it's being allowed too. You know, coaches are not coaching that. You know, I found that when I started working, you know, that was something that had to be implemented, you know, um, how to tackle. Like, you can do drills. You can do tackling drills. But, you know, dummies don't make cuts and keep their yeah. feet running. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's certain things you have to do um, at practice, continuously <laughs> doing it to um, get the repetition in your head, you know, and in your body. But guys got to want to do it, you know. You got to yeah. want to do it, man. But I'm a, like you, like you said, I'm a huge fan of playing multiple sports because, you know, it just teaches you so many different things. Playing basketball, playing baseball, you know, running track, you know, playing soccer. Those things, it, it just teaches you something totally different about yourself and, you know, teammates, everything. Yeah, you say you work with the young guys. What would you share with me and our listeners? Top three things you got to do, man, as a defensive back. Because, I mean, you were ball hog and you, you ran them back. It wasn't like you were going to take a knee. You had 107, 108-yard interception returns. What made you, like, want to take that thing out instead of just taking a knee? Obviously, a plan to go all the way. You, you said something <laughs> that most people didn't know. You know, I grew up in Louisiana. I grew up watching the Saints. You know, I grew up watching you. We didn't have much offense then. <laughs> you You're know, right. so You're right I, about I, I went to Baltimore, and we didn't have any, any offense, man. You know, so it was already in me prior to that, you know, that just I just wanted to be kind of have that killer instinct, so to say, you know, like the Michael Jordans of the world. I grew up watching Mike, you know, and uh, when the game was on the line, you know, he was scoring, you know, football was a little different. But, you know, I, I grew up playing it like that. You know what I'm saying? When it was tie games, I wanted the ball. You know, when when the game was on the line, I was playing defense. I wanted the ball. You know, I wanted to stop them from making plays. You know, so that was something that came with repetition over time. You know, once I got to the league, man, it was like second nature. It was something I always did. People thought it was just something that was happening in the NFL. If you checked, if you checked back in high school, college, that's what I was, I was trying to do that. You know, I was already trying to score with the ball because we didn't have much offense. You know, it's interesting. We, so, we field gold. Hey, Ed, we field gold guys to death. Yeah. We had the Dome Patrol. Yeah. Ricky Jackson, but City Sam Champ. Mills, boys. Sam Mills, yeah, Bond, Bond Johnson's, Pat Swilling. And yeah. We, yeah. We ran the ball a little bit. We didn't turn it over. And we, we three pointed people to death. Yeah, man. That's how you and with just, Yeah. And with Justin Tucker as your kicker, that's what you guys did. That's what we should be doing. <laughs> That's what we should yeah, be so doing. let's talk about the Ravens right now, man. They, a lot of injuries, obviously. You know, Lamar with COVID and with his ankle. Yeah. And then not being able to go and, and have an next man up and all those things. Give me a recap on your Ravens. and I mean, it's frustrating, right? Because you, you win the Super Bowl in 12, which I'm sure for you, and we'll talk about that briefly. But talk to me about the Ravens. 2022 how close are they they look close to me there was a couple of things i want to get your opinion on the ravens and then the two two-point conversions that Harbaugh went for was that the right decision they they didn't pan out they didn't work out 
they the right decisions if they pan out. They're wrong if they don't. Right. You know, I mean, the last game, I actually tweeted this. Both of these games, both of those games should have went in overtime, I thought. But the Ravens losing and Pittsburgh winning, you know, and the way it happened, it's like, oh, okay, this is why you went for two the first time because you didn't uh-huh. want to go into overtime with Pittsburgh yes. the second time either. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? How it happened. That's easily said, man. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you're not around there. You're not in the locker room. I mean, me personally, I want more football. I want a chance to finish the game, play more football. Going for two at that point, I mean, you could say it was a great call, man, and and, and they had it, but yeah. you didn't make it. You didn't make it, you know, so – it's different when you're in the locker room with guys. You know as well as I do, Mark. You know, when you're in there, you know a lot of ins and outs, a lot of things that are happening that you can say, okay, this is why something happened. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I know Baltimore has always been big on next man up. So there's no excuses when you right. lose people. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know as well as I know, you can't make excuses, but – those things do count, man. You do take a step back when you lose guys like Lamar Jackson. You know, that's that's your, that's your motor. You know what I'm saying? And um, Huntley actually stepped in and did a decent job, man. Guys got to help him out, obviously, catching the ball and stuff like that. But, you know, man, it was just tough, man. It was a tough year. A lot of injuries played. It's going to be hard to get through that. Those guys got to get healthy. You know, and um, I, I think the Ravens will be all right. You know, you just got to clean up a lot of little mistakes, secondary-wise, defense, and offense, man. It's like times when it's like kind of like a roller coaster, you know. So you got to get some consistency there, and that comes with growth. You know, yeah. I said that a couple of interviews back that they were young. They got some vets, but they also young, you know. So that comes with time, man. It comes with going through some stuff, you know. So hopefully those guys are mature after this year, man, because they went through a good bit. Hopefully they they come through next year and uh and battle back. You know, yeah, that they youth, got a lot of time to think about it. It's hard to make up for youth because you have that youthful oblivion. You just have inexperience sometimes. What it takes is a locker room with an Ed Reed and Ray Lewis in there because I know that Leadership. locker room is tight. That Leadership that locker room. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, when when you talk about the injuries, the Saints had the same thing happen to them this year. 57 starters, yep. different starters. In one game, 22 out. 22 starters out. Yeah. Four different quarterbacks. So very similar there. Crazy. I mean, it's crazy, bro. Yeah, I saw talk that. To, but talk to me about Ray. Talk to me about you and Ray and that relationship and that locker room. Take me back to 2012. You guys were very close a couple of years earlier. Of course, you were drafted in 2002. You had a lot of close calls, man, a lot of frustration. But then you get it done in 12 with Ray and and that locker room. And what made it so special? What made it work in 12 when it didn't work the other years? Yeah, I mean, man, we had more than Ray and I being leaders on the team. Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nada, Anquan Bolden. Um, had Joe's ear. That's when you talk about things that you talk about in the locker room, how you lead in the locker room. The conversations we used to have, those things resonated, man. You had Vontae Leach on offense. We had leaders across the board, you know, special teamers, everything, you know, so that mattered. It wasn't just Bray and I. It was a whole bunch of guys bought in and did the same thing every week. Like that true routine that you got, that you get into when the season started, we never fade away from that. We never went away from that. You know, we never veered off that path. And and we knew that we had to take that championship from everybody. 
you know, you don't always tell this to people. I told it to the Ravens when I spoke to them. You can't win the championship. You got to take it. Everybody trying to win it. You know, it's all. Yeah, that's a great point, Ed. It's going to come down to who wants to take it. I still have the text message in my phone. I, I put it in my phone in like December 2012 going into the playoffs. I'm like, we got to take this thing, you know, because I've been here before. Been here too many times to where we just gave it away, you know. So, yeah, it was time to take it. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's what we oh. did. That's, that's what we did. I know in my heart's of heart, you know, that we wasn't going to lose this championship. We wasn't, we, we was going regardless. Like, there's a lot of things that had to happen. The Denver game, you know, beating the Patriots. It was a lot of things that transpired. People thought we were going to have a mutiny and all that stuff during the season. It was all <laughs> kind of crazy stuff, you know, that, that things were happening. But yeah, man, you got to take it. So with you and Ray, when I see you guys, and we're all Hall of Fame brothers now, so it's it's special for me to be able to fellowship with you guys a little bit when you allow me in, into that brotherhood, you know, that specialist, that specialist that sits in the corner and just flies on the wall. I heard some crazy stories about you and Ray being up 2, 3 in the morning watching film. Yeah, I mean, grinding it to the point where you were so prepared because of the film study, and you basically... You knew the reason you you ball hogged besides yeah. a deep desire, deep desire to want to score and win was really you were so well prepared that you kind of knew where that the receiver was going to be and contingency plans. Yeah. Talk to me about that whole. I mean, luck favors the exceptionally prepared, and you you were real lucky because you were real prepared. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we was up watching film late, probably like 12, 1 o'clock. Sometimes you know, like man, go to sleep. But um, yeah. you know, because we was on defense. Together, it helped. Um, middle linebacker, safety, kind of like quarterbacks of the, of the defense, you know, and being on the same page, man, mm-hmm. on two levels and then getting guys, you know, we'd go and meet with coaches, Ray and I and, and, and Suggs and Nada. Like, we had a group of guys that we used to take with us that met with the coach and talked about plays and stuff like that as we got ladder in our careers and coaches start to understand that we coach too, <laughs> you know, right. and um, – and guys truly bought into it, man. You know, so yeah, man. The film study obviously is is a, is a huge side of it. That you know, I don't know if a lot of people take it take full advantage of that. I know these kids don't even know how to watch film a lot. I'm in college, you know, because right. that's what I do now. You know, and like trying to get them to understand that. But um, yeah, man, watched a ton of film because the film ain't gonna. It's not gonna lie. I always says a fighter will revert back to what they always do when that fire is lit, you know what I'm saying? It's just no different than an offensive coordinator, you know, a D coordinator. When that fight is lit, they're going to call their bread and butter. We used to master in that. It's like, okay, things are going crazy. Go back to your bread and butter, you know? So that's what we used to try to do, get guys to go back to what they do. What was your bread and butter, like, as a defense? Sometimes it was just a nod or a wink or a hand gesture, the way you guys communicated wasn't necessarily screaming and yelling at each no. other. There was a deeper understanding there, Ed, between you guys, fingers in a glove, if I may use that cliche yeah. analogy. Our bread and butter was a, was a dual call. It was actually reduced 63 sky. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just our basic first training day call. That's the first thing you learn when you come to training camp, reduced 63 sky, you know, so... 
we used to go back to that and we knew it. Guys knew that call like back of their head, you know? So it's like, just do your job. He, That's what the call was really. It's like, take it's me like through the old, call as a player. Take me through uh, what you would do as a free safety. Take me through what Ray, where, where he was as a linebacker. How did that flow? Well, we'll come out, we'd come out just say if they was in the pro set, Receiver tight end, two backs in the field, and the X receiver. Um, you know, that'll be – we're being reduced. We're being um, over front against that pro set. And um, we're being six, which we can make it look like a three. That'll be like cover four to the tight end side. And it'll look like a down safety to the right, which make it look like three. The safety got the option to be in a half safety or down like in a cloud situation. He becomes the corner, the corner becomes the safety. Um, if they motion over the slot, we'll check the front to an odd front and we will go to cover three. The safety would now stay down. The safety will rotate from the tight inside and the corner would stay on the backside and goes to cover three, you know, for basic teaching. And um, Ray would never move. Ray was the linebacker. All he had to do is probably move two, three steps, just bump over right or left, you know, with the front. And um, yeah, dual call. A lot of trust. Basic. A lot of trust yeah, that know. everybody understands that and where it fits and, and butter, how to baby. rotate down. Bread and butter, baby. Go back to it. Everybody just run to the football, make tackle. You know, that's what that was for. It was just everybody knew what they were supposed to do. And like I said, that old Bill Belichick clip you would see, just do your job. That's what it was. Yes. You know what I mean? Like everybody preaches that. It's not just Belichick. You know, it's just who you going to listen to. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how free, how you can play freely when you know what the hell you're supposed to do. That's a whole nother side to it. You know, between studying tape, Knowing what to do, knowing when they're gonna snap the ball and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you can do you can do a lot of things. You can do a and, lot of things. And the privilege to play the game at its highest level on Sunday afternoon comes all week, man. When you pay attention to the little details of the job. Oh yeah, oh you yeah, because it don't change, man. Like it, there's not much that changes. You know, yeah. there's only so many plays you can run. Everybody, yep. everybody runs the same cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, cover zero. They just do it with different terminology, you know. You got people out here thinking they're doing something different. You're not doing anything that hasn't been done before, man. Everybody's done the same shit. And I got to talk to you about the U. I mean, that's uh, it, it's amazing when I look at what you guys had going in 2001 down there. Let me just, I did a little research, okay? This is this is why you guys, one of the reasons you won the national championship on that roster, 38 future NFL draft picks, 43 combined trips to the Pro Bowl, six combined Super Bowl rings, notable names like the late Sean Taylor, Andre Johnson, Frank Gore, Vincent Wilfork, Clinton Porters, Willis McGahey, Jeremy Shockey, Jonathan, I mean, you get the point, Montrell Roll, Brian McKinney. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What is it about the U and what was that like being on a team that was loaded with talent? I mean, it had to almost better prepare. It was almost like an NFL team down there, bro. Being surrounded by so many yeah. top-level players had to prepare you for the NFL that's, differently that's than got, any other. That's what it came to, man. That's what it came to, man. It looked like somebody was telling me last night watching the games, like, man, Alabama was like how you guys was, you know. And uh, shit, they just had it longer. I mean, they had a longer stint, man. They still going. But Nick yes. Saban is doing over there is crazy. And um, and congratulations to Georgia oh, beating yeah. them boys last night. When, sure. when when Nick Saban still gets credit because Kirby Smart is his protege. Crazy. That's, but, <laughs> that's a legacy. That's legacy right there, Ed. That is truly. You know man. what I'm saying? That's beast, man. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, we had some, some great coaches, Mark. 
you know, we had great coaching staff. We had some great recruiters, you know, when you look back at it, that brought guys in. Um, you had Coach Pagano, you had Curtis Johnson, who's actually with the Saints. He's the receiver coach over there with the Saints. He's yep. been there for a long time. He left like two, three years to go coach at Tulane and came right back. <laughs> yep. He's the reason all those receivers do what they do over there. And he was a chess piece to the system that we had. Um, you know, we had Don Solinger, Art Kehoe, uh, Mario Cristobal was there for, for a spell. Like, we had head coaches on the staff. Mark yeah. Stoops. Mark Stoops is the head coach in Kentucky. Greg Ciano, <laughs> you know, Randy Shannon. Like, we truly had head coaches, you know, and that, that's what makes me think about Alabama. Like, they had head coaches on the staff. You know, Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, all those guys were on the staff. You know, now they don't always pan out when they leave there, you know, because you, you still got a coach. Now you got to do your X's and O's. No different than what's happening in New England. You know, guys leave there and they're not having that same success, you know, because it's, it's something about having everything together. Butch Davis, who was our head coach, was under Coach Johnson, you know, even when he went to Dallas. You That's know, right. Coach Davis came back to the University of Miami, you know, so they had that mentality. It's, it's no different than, you know, Belichick, Saban, Ozzie Newsom, and those guys. A lot of those guys were together in Cleveland back in the day, you know, and they all went out and did their own things. But it goes to show you, like, they all kind of kept that same mentality. You know, Belichick won championships, Saban's won championships, Ozzie's won championships, and is highly regarded as a, a Hall of Fame GM as well as a player, you know. So that makes a difference, man. You know, having having people in your staff like that who has that mentality, you know, it makes a difference, I think. You know, we had a lot of pavers that came before us, um, that came before the guys that we all really saw. Um, the Edwin James, the Bubba Franks, the Reggie Waynes, the Santana, Santana and Mosses of the world. You know, those guys wouldn't on that national championship team, but they were there the year before and the year before that, you know, mm -hmm. who really paved the way and those guys watched. Then we just got younger. Like the leadership changed, the mentality changed, and the coaching staffs and all that changed. And kids changed. Things fell apart, you know. So yeah, that leadership matters. Like, look what Baltimore has done since Ray and I, um, Anquan, Terrell Suggs, and all those, Haloti and I, all of us left. Like when we not left, but you know when we when we um when we were not in the building after that since 2013, I think they only won like one or two playoff games. Like Ravens haven't done much, and I'm, you know, I just know we were we were big pieces to that. You know, no matter what nobody says, we were huge pieces to that. You know, as much yes. as nobody people wanted us to be gone, you know, Martin, like man, it, it takes the right guys in the locker room. You know, and the locker room is for the players. You know, the locker room is led by players. Yes. Coaches don't lead grown men, you know. Well, the Coaches don't lead grown men. It's a, it's a partnership, you know. It's truly a partnership when you get to the lead, you know. Yes. So Here's my opinion on the that, locker room, Ed. The culture, culture, good or bad, permeates in a locker room until somebody with great leadership skills decides to change it for better or worse. I agree. It can go bad too. You got a cancer. You got somebody in there, and I've, I've seen it. You know, I've seen that where one player who decides to sabotage everything. If there's not enough strong leadership in there, yeah, that player can. I mean, he can really do some damage. Hey, there was years when we didn't win because you had those type of individuals. 
You know, losing losing is a habit, just like winning is. Truly, truly. You know, yeah. And so I I choose winning. Always. <laughs> we'll see you on Wednesday. The greatest words ever. All right. Right. See you Wednesday. Victory Monday. Yeah. Oh, victory Monday was great. (laughs) But you're still putting your stamp. Am I right? Are you still chief of staff down in Miami? Yeah, as of now, yeah. Was Diaz, was he let go too early in your opinion? You got a new head coach now. Nah, I mean, it is what it is at this point, Mark. You know, coach had some things he needed to change, and those things did not change the higher-ups. Wanted to make a change, man. You know, Where's and that's you heading. Where are we going with the U, man? Five, ten years to a national championship? It definitely takes a process. Um, but I think we get the um the right coaches in there, the right leaders in there, you know, and um the right attitudes from the kids. We can we can be back in that thing, you know. We can definitely be back in there. They gotta want that though. The kids truly gotta want that in the locker room. You know, I haven't I haven't seen that attitude since I've been around there. I mean, I know kids want to win, but it's like we just said, there's cancers here. There's people saying this and doing certain things that you look at like that's not championship effort. You know, that's not a championship mentality. So we haven't had that. I I just, I just don't see it, man. I haven't seen it. You know, I've seen guys quit in games, you know, and we, we, we changed that towards the end of the year. Guys are truly fighting, you know, but, um, we needed to change some things, and, and now we've made some moves. So, you know, and see if we can get that thing back to truly dominance, man. That's that's what it's about, at least competing, you know, in the playoffs, national championships, you know. I would think having you in there as a pro, as a Hall of Famer would resonate with these young kids. And how how involved are you? And what, what can you personally do to affect that change? Well, as chief of staff, I'm not a coach. Technically, I'm not supposed to do stuff on the field. But I give pointers. I could give pointers and stuff. A little like whisper, that, little you know? whisper, Ed. A little whisper in the ear, bro. You you know how we are, more. I, I without without throwing myself under the bus, man. I do <laughs> yeah, as yeah. much. I push the envelope as much as I can without getting the university in trouble because we've had stuff. I never, I never was about bringing anything bad towards the university. No, um, of course not. No, of course you know. Not. So, but um. Yeah, man, I, I do as much as I can. I watch tape, I'm trying to teach these kids how to watch tape. You know, I'll mm. go to, I watch a lot of films, so I go to them individually. Like, man, look, your kick step is not very good. You need to get lower as an O-lineman or, you know, your hand placement as D-lineman or you getting off the ball or, yeah. you know, I heard you're not going to class, man. You know, like I, I got so much information that I give to these kids at different times because I know it's so much that they're going through. You know, we have that experience through college and life that we can pour back into them. And that's one of the big things like I didn't see either, man. Like being at the university, man, I didn't see I didn't I didn't see those see coaches pouring back into those kids, you know, and then and, and it can't just be about football. Right. Life skills, man. You gotta have the whole package. Yeah, I mean you it gotta- matters. Like I know how much that mattered to us and our success, you know. Yes. Yes. What you're doing off the field kind of carries over. You know, if you're not handling your business off the field, it carries over, man. Like you, if you're if you're irresponsible, you know, you're undisciplined off the field, it's gonna show on the field. Who's the best defensive back in the game today and why? 
the best defensive back in the game today. Why? Today it would be probably Diggs from <laughs> from Dallas, man, because of him getting those turnovers, getting that, those interceptions, getting that ball. I'll take the ball from a secondary guy all day. Um, so not, uh, Ram- not Ramsey. Ramsey has talent. Ramsey is shutting people down, you know. Um, I know Ram Ramsey is a is a gang of talent, you know what I'm saying? Gang of talent. So I mean, but he got some he got he got a lot of help over there, man. Like he wow. got a ton of help, you know, which helps you. Oh, I know, I know. Like they stacked. They're stacked. Like they should be kicking ass and taking names worse than what they do. And they don't. Then then like you never you never saw Michael Jordan punch his teammate. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like you never saw LeBron swing on his teammates. You don't see that. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about being a certain guy at a certain level, certain things you carry yourself a certain way. You're different. You're totally different, man. So when you ask mm. those questions, certain things pop in my head and I remember certain, like, I just remember, like, it was like a couple of weeks ago. Not saying that take away from who he is as a player. He's still a dominant player, but certain things you just don't do. That's very telling. You so Dick's kind of reminds Mind you of yourself a little bit? Doesn't no, you? nobody reminds me of me. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I was hoping you would say that. Nobody yeah. nobody has truly been set apart. Diggs is benefiting from a statistical generation. You know, they've changed these rules and they're throwing the ball a lot more. They throw the ball a ton more. The game has seemed to be a little longer. It's different. The game is stretched a little bit more. The rules are different. You know, and these quarterbacks, for lack of better words, they suck. Like you don't have you don't have those dominant those quarterbacks that you had back in the day, man. I mean, it probably was the same. Probably was the same when you talk about talent level and have you got a bunch of greats up here. You got a lot of mediocre. You got a lot of quarterback issues in the NFL right now. Like you don't have championship winning quarterbacks. You got a bunch of backups. Making a valid point, Ed. Yeah, man, you got a bunch of backups. So you got to look at the talent and skill levels that you got going. You know, the the, the great quarterbacks are, are being panned out now, right? You don't have the Paytons and, 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 I mean, Brady's still there. Rosenberger's Rob- on his slides. You see, like, they're getting older. Like, Rosenberger looked terrible, you know, this year. Um, you see Drew B's retired. Like, all these guys who, who were pretty good are gone, man. You got, you know – the Kirk Cousins, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world. You know, these they trying to get these young kids to take over, and these young kids are not ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, the league is a little watered down, a little different now, man, with the rules and, yeah. and these kids and mentalities and, and coaches with the, with the books and all this shit. Football is football. Like, there's something in between the lines that no book can help you with. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can want to go for two and the book tells you to go for two, but the heartbeat within the lines is too much for guys. So you'll get an incomplete pass. You'll get a pass knocked down. You see what I'm saying? Within a two point conversion, because that heartbeat that's within the lines is not on the sideline. That heartbeat is not on the sideline for a lot of people. You know, especially when you haven't been in the flow of that game in the lines before. If you've never been in between those lines, you it's hard to relate. So you rely on statistics and books. You know what I'm saying? And those books don't matter when that heartbeat is doing something totally different between those lines. 
you know? So I like that. Yeah, man. It's like I watch this stuff and like, damn, like it, it, that's not the right call. Like regardless of what you think that book says and what it tells you to do, that's not the right call because that heartbeat within those lines is totally different, you mm -hmm. know, totally different. You're spraying some wisdom at me, brother. Right on, bro. I, li I like it. It's old school, but it's new school. It ain't. This, this hall it's of timeless. This it's hall freaking of Hall of Fame timeless. Hall it's of Fame timeless. things we're doing right here. More, there's a reason why we're in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. You got to think differently. You do, man, to, be, to set, set you apart. And it's got to be so ingrained in you that it becomes dominant. Yeah, truly. Unconscious competence is earned, and you have to want it. You have to take it to your point earlier. Yeah. You have to go take it. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. handing out that prize to you, man. You got to go take that. Not at all, man. That is, that's the takeaway I'm getting from you, man, is that, uh, hey, if you want it bad enough, go take it. Yeah, truly. The right way. Don't cut no corners. Let me finish with a little name game for you. When I say this na these names, you just, whatever comes to mind, doesn't have to be long, uh, Ed. All right. And I go Ray Lewis. You say what? One of the best ever. One of the best ever and brother. Yeah. Terrell Suggs. Beast mode. That's my guy. Love Terrell. Jonathan Ockton. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't yeah, I see that smile, man. <clears throat> yeah. Gentle giant. Gentle giant. One of the best leaders I've ever been around because he do it by example. Uh, love jail, man. All I can see is that smile. Big old smile, man. <laughs> Steve McNair. Oh, man, I was just talking about Mac two days ago, man. Legend. You know, wish we'd have won a championship when Mac was our quarterback. You know, we just had bad coaching. Justin Tucker. Automatic. Automatic. Like Matt Stover. Automatic. John Harbaugh. Coach. <laughs> yeah. That's my coach, man. Uh, you know, we won a championship Tough. together. Coach, coach Harbaugh is like a distant brother, man. It's like uh, there's a lot of stuff he brought there. That we had to iron out, you know. So coach coach like a distant like distant brother. What did he bring that you had to iron out? Can you share anything in particular? Or was it a number of things? Yeah, I mean, literally, um, iron sharpening iron. Um, that was something that, you know, he harped on spiritually, you know, in which a lot of us huge there, you know, so we knew where he was coming from, mm -hmm. especially with the actions that we were, uh, we were seeing, you know, and how how things are transpiring. I think as a head coach, you got to be a little of an asshole um, because you got to implement your stuff. Yes. You know, and you got to stick to it, but you got to be able to adjust, you know. So as men, because like I said, how I see the league, how I saw the league, especially as you get older in your career, you, all, you start to understand it. Like it's truly a partnership with the players and the coaches. You know what I'm saying? My play is going to get you paid. And that's what happens over time that's the reason why people have jobs to this day because of how we performed in between the lines you know as much as those coaches might you know they do their thing they study a lot but they ain't playing with damn football you know <laughs> it's a partnership we work together i'm making sacrifices to make sure that i do what i'm supposed to do to help you do what you're supposed to do it's a partnership and i think you know those were the things that we had to kind of iron out with coach you know, especially me in general, because me and Coach spent a lot of time talking. Like, I was the one person not challenging him, but I would bring stuff back up. Like, 
why you do this? Why are we saying this? You know, type of thing. Like, I'm a man before I'm a football player. You know what I'm saying? And those are the things that we truly had to iron out. Like, coach, we men, man. This ain't no, this real life. Football is a game. Life is not a game. We real men. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it get too crazy, man, like, people will lose their jobs over this shit. Like, you don't talk to people and do certain things, man. Like, we grow men, you know? So we had to iron out some stuff, man. You know, there was times when I didn't want to be in Baltimore, you know, um, when Coach first got there. You know what I'm saying? And He rubbed you the but, wrong way? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, I just had surgery. And I'm thinking about what I had went through through my surgery to get back to the field. And I'm watching certain stuff. Like, you know, I'm truly sat in the ice tub three days after surgery to help myself heal. I get out the ice tub, my body's shaking like an earthquake is in my body. Like I couldn't stop shaking. And I'm thinking about those nights that I spent in Vail by myself in Colorado after I had surgery, giving myself treatment so I could get back. I had two hip surgeries and I've come back to like certain things around the facility. I was like, nah, man, like we grow men. Treat us like kids, like you dictate, like you dictating, you know what I'm saying? Like you, Fidel around this month, like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. We had to iron it out, you know, so that we can win a championship. And, and it's crazy because through all that, that we went through, Coach and I were the last two on the bus to leave the Superdome after the Super Bowl. Like we went through all that. For those years, he was there because we all left after. For the last day, the last game, he and I on the bus with his daughter, leaving the Super Bowl. And I looked over, he looked at me and was like, we did it. And I'm like, it worked, <laughs> you know? Like, it worked, coach. You know, so through all that that we talked about, we came together. And then they got rid of us. <laughs> I, w- I had such a good ending. I had, I had such a good ending. Ser- I was going to go with serendipity and butterflies and bells. No, no they got rid but of But then you came with they got rid of I. <laughs> they got rid spoiled of it all. They That's got rid of it. Mark, you know the business, man. People think I left. People like, it left and went to Houston. and did- Nah, man, they, they kind of left me no choice. You know? Yeah. You know, like my contract was up. I get it. They were like, you know, we won the Super Bowl with you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember the phone call like it was yesterday. It's like 12 years, ain't, 11 years ain't nothing with us. Like, basically, you you spent 11 years here and yeah. go test the market. Like, go. Well, five, $5 million guaranteed in Houston, uh, that eased the pain a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wanted to win ultimately. It was never about money man like no i thought we had a good no five five was good i <laughs> i thought we had a good squad in houston man like i i kind of mapped out different teams <laughs> looking at everything on paper you like okay we got a squad here like they did decent the year before just needed some pieces but as much as i knew and i asked these questions and certain stuff i didn't get before i signed with houston is you know it's just like how you operate 
Like, how do you truly operate? And I was asking those questions and, you know, people who I had around me was like, ah, man, I don't really think you need those things. Like, you don't need it. And I'm like, ah, you need it. You need it. You know, my brother was there, Andre Johnson, you know, and I just thought we, I thought we would at least compete, man. We were terrible. I mean, terrible. There were terrible people in that organization. I hate to say it, it was the truth. I wanted to win in Texas. I wanted to win, at least compete. We were horrible, man. They had some horrible people in that organization, man. Like, when you live like that, like, truly, that's why you get certain organizations don't win. Because they got some bad leadership. They truly got bad leadership. They leading that old mentality, man. Like, no, that shit is done. Like, that old mentality is over, dude. Like, that's not how you lead people. You don't do that. You, you don't you don't lead like that. That's why these organizations, some of these organizations truly suck. You know? Cause they got that old mentality, man. You think about it, Mark. How many championships came from different organizations over time? Certain organizations that won, should I say, right? Think about that. Think about the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. That's that haven't been. A lot of teams that won championships, you know, so you can't leave with that old mentality, man. You got to can't do that. Can't have it. And that's what Uh, Houston had at the time. Houston had that old Southern mentality. All right. Let's get on with talk about Sean Taylor. Man, Hall of Famer in my book. I truly believe that, you know, I mean, you could look at how he was progressing that he would have been a Hall of Famer. Very unfortunate things that happened, man. But. Things happen for a reason. You learn from situations. I, I would hope kids would go back and do their research, you know, to, to things that's transpired, yeah. you know, through that situation. It's like, you know, who you surround yourself with, yes. you know. But Sean, man, I remember when Sean got to Miami, you know, Sean, Sean's my guy. It's like, man, before I leave the University of Miami, I want you to know everything I asked to know about playing safety. You know, and, and Sean was already a super athlete, so I'm not trying to take credit for anything. But I wanted to make sure that I gave him everything that I knew about the game yeah. before I left the University of Miami so that he would go on <laughs> and do the things that, he's, that he did. I'm glad I was able to pour into him, you know, just like the people who poured into me, the Eugene Ridgley's of the world, the Dennis Scott's, people who came before me, guys who were in Baltimore when I first got there. I had guys ahead of me that I looked up to. They might not have been as dominant as I was, but they knew the game, you know? So you take heed to those guys that are ahead of you. you you're supposed to, man. And you can decipher, discern what, what's right, what's wrong. Can you implement mm-hmm. it to yours? You know, you should better do that as a person, especially if you're going with an open mind, humble heart, you know? Yes. So there were so many people who poured into me too. That's why I wanted to pour back into Sean, and I did. Yeah. You know, and watching watching him do his thing, man, was just amazing, man. Like the stuff he's he was doing, you know, I had already saw it in his highlight tape. Um, I was seeing it at practice. I knew what this kid, I knew what he was capable of doing, you know, and, and I watched it, man. It was so much gratification coming out of just watching Sean make plays, man. You summed it off beautifully, man. That's a uh, really nice tribute to a, to a guy that left us way too soon, you know. That's yeah. beautiful, man. One guy that poured into you, man, was Rex Ryan. Talk to me about Rex Ryan. Um, yeah. Rex, man, Rex, Rex, 
Thanks. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Rex, like Ryan's, Rex Ryan, like man. The, you know. Yeah, he's like the mad scientist. You know what I'm saying? Like he had the, that 85 bear mentality. Like he came up, Buddy Ryan, his dad, you know, yeah. like truly taught them some football. Yeah. And um, you can tell he was a, they were around it. Um, Rex is my guy, man. I love Coach for what he taught us as a defense, what he taught me as a man. You know, and um, the opportunities he gave me ladder in my career, you know, because I left Houston and went to the Jets, you know, and um, helped Rex push to try to make to the playoffs. My last year playing was with Rex, you know, so it was it was cool, man. It was it was really cool playing for coach and, and spending time with him. I used to go sit on the floor, you know, on Mondays on those victory Mondays and, and watch them game plan. You know, Tuesdays, too, I go in there and, you know, and see what they're coming up with as I'm watching tape. I'm like, ah, I don't think we should be running that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. learned so, I learned so much from Coach, from, from Rex. And, um, you know, I mean, it's the defense I would run. Like, as a coach, when, when people ask me for my philosophy of defense, that's the defense I'm bringing. I'm bringing what we did. I'm bringing with the 85 Bears, how they won the championship how the 2000 Ravens won it, you know, and, and, and how we won it in um, Baltimore and, and how some other coaches stole what we did and won championships after we beat the Patriots. Imitation is the greatest uh, kind of flattery. We all run into the same stuff. Like I said earlier, you know, it's just Everybody. who's going to execute better at the end of the day, you know? So I'm really grateful to have played under Coach Rex. Hey, lastly, I got a question from Scott on Twitter, one of our listeners, and he's, He's asking, who was the one player in your NFL career who hate who you hated trying to tackle? Was there anybody? Who I hated trying to tackle? Yeah. Guy, you go, oh, man, no. Marshawn Lynch would be the guy. Not that I hated just, to tackle him. He was hard Not that I to hated tackle. tackling him. It was just you knew what you were getting. You knew what you yeah. were getting. <laughs> you know, I mean, as a teammate, I told Jamal Lewis in, in training camp, like, J. Lou, like, mm -hmm. we could do this. But I don't really want to. I don't want to have to hit you every day. So right. let's come to an agreement somewhere, bro. Like, we don't need to be hurting each other out here. Because I know if you run the ball hard, like, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you hard. Like, I'm going to hit you to try to slow you down, bro. So don't. <laughs> yeah, that's not necessary on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Let's yeah, bro. Like, no, don't do it, man. <laughs> like, don't. Let's, let's, let's not. Let's make it to the season, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, Brandon Jacobs and um, TJ Duckett. TJ Duckett played for the Falcons. Oh my God, dude! Didn't want to tackle TJ Duckett. I had to. Ooh. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, you see, it's like running back, right? <laughs> yeah, all running back, all <laughs> running backs, <laughs> all running backs. Man, it was crazy. It's like. I don't know who we was talking. I was talking to my brother last night watching the game. I don't mean to go off, but um, he's like, You're what good. safety for this team got like 200-some tackles? A safety got like 200 tackles, right? And they talking about the safety's really good. I said 200 tackles is way too much for a safety, you know? A safety shouldn't have <laughs> right. to have a whole bunch of tackles. Like if, it's, if your it safety shouldn't come there. Shouldn't go, to the, shouldn't go to the secondary, you if know? If your safety got a bunch of tackles, dude, your team sucks. Like your, your, your defense yeah. sucks. Real stuff. Like people like Ed didn't have a lot of tackles. I shouldn't have had to have a lot of tackles. If I had a lot of tackles, we suck. 
You know, and they had they had years when I had 80, 90 tackles. You know, yeah, that's me running to the ball too. But dude, your safety shouldn't have to have a lot of tackles. What kind of defense people be looking for? We're secondary for for a reason. We the last line of defense. We INTs. Let's get some INTs. Credit to Rex. Rex Ryan coming to coming to meeting. He had a whole defensive meeting, the whole defense in there. And he asked the defense this question. Guys, what's going to make a bigger impact on the game? A big hit or an interception? And the whole defense would be like, oh, man, a big hit. I'm the only person like, coach, an interception. What are you talking about? Who gives a shit about a big hit when you can change get the, the change ball? Change the possession, but yeah. Yeah, you get the ball yeah. and you give it back to your offense or you score with it. Ain't no hit bigger than that. I don't give a shit what they say about a hit. No, man, you changed the game by getting the ball. What are you ball talking about? Ball hog. Ball hog. But I was always against that one. Like, no, nah, man, what are you talking about? Interception. Take it to the crib. <laughs> you took it to the crib from 107, 108 because you wanted to. You had a deep desire. Yeah, change the game single-handedly, and you did it, bro. Help the team win. That's what all – see, that's where the basketball came in, watching Michael Jordan, the track came in, you yeah. know, like helping your team win. Track was a team sport, but it's an individual sport as well, you know, but yes. you're helping your team win. So I did long jump, triple jump, do the javelin. I even tried high jump, yeah. you know, so – because I wanted to help the team win in any capacity. So if I get no. an interception, oh, I'm going to the house. I'm trying to take it to the house. I love it. Let me end by saying that you and the Edge by far have the greatest Hall of Fame busts. <laughs> hey, man, I got that mid, I got that mid-career mullet, and I'm happy with my bust. But when I saw you, brah, yeah. Oh, when you took that thing off, and I saw that, and I saw yeah, Edge boy. last year. Come on now. Yeah. What? Yeah, Mark. And you're known for the you're known for your hats and your and your locks, man, and the fedora. I was yeah. hoping you would have a fedora on today. That's all right. That's all right. You get ready. You caught me going to the gym, man. Yeah, I know, I man. I kept you I too long. Look, I got my Hall of Fame hat on. Though. Yeah, you do, baby. You yes, know? you do. Hey, man, my brother, my brother. No hey, doubt. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed it. I, I can't wait to see you and your bust in Canton, Ohio. Hopefully, before then, I'm going. Are you going to the Super Bowl? I'll be out there. Yeah, I plan on it. I plan on it. Um, you know, yeah, we I'll got there. we got some hurricanes that's up for the Hall of Fame, man. So hopefully, yeah. my brother Reggie gets in this year. Yeah, maybe we can hook up in the Legends Lounge or something. One of those places, you know. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I have have a cold ones and reminisce a little bit. I can get you get a good hug from you, man, and and feel Ooh, the love, you know. Truly, yeah. brother. Hey, I, Ed, I appreciate you, man. You're a good, yeah, good I'm human glad. and a good man, and you were one hell of a ball player, brother. Let me tell you. Thanks, Mark, man. I'm glad we got a chance to knock it out. It was a great conversation with Ed, and I'll have more on him, of course, in my game winner at the end of the podcast. But Freeze Pops, uh, breaking news here. My old buddy, head coach Sean Payton, it was just announced that he is stepping away from the game retiring apparently don't know all the details but uh, i thought it'd be appropriate here to spend a few moments reflecting on sean and what he's meant to the saints meant to the league he was an offensive coordinator in 2001 for the giants when i was up there you could tell you know right then that he was extremely creative and talented right and that he was on a trajectory to become a head coach didn't know where but it wasn't going to take long 
for sure, and it didn't. And, you know, when I look at Sean and his time in New Orleans, it was just a perfect storm for him with Drew Brees coming in there and their careers down there kind of paralleled and they just, they made magic together. You know, they really, uh, you know, Brees was ready to move on from San Diego. He was coming off a bad injury, but was ready to go. And Sean was that missing link for Drew that could put him in the right positions and make him shine. And, you know, Sean understood Drew. Drew understood Sean. And he was just great for the franchise. He was great for the Saints. You know, they won a Super Bowl with him and with Breeze. And, yeah, it was just a beautiful, beautiful ride that he had. I, I don't know the specifics on why he decided to step away. I would imagine playing football without Drew Brees is maybe less fun than with some other quarterbacks. And that's not to say that they're not good quarterbacks, but it's very hard to replace an offense that's led by a Drew Brees with his passing prowess and so far. So one hell of a coach, you know, uh, really a good coach and understood his players, was demanding of his players, communicated with them. He was always very kind. He was a big advocate for me on my path to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He always took opportunity to support me and to publicly talk about my credentials. So I'm grateful for that. He was also one of the guys that spearheaded me getting into the ring of honor in New Orleans. And uh, so I owe uh, Coach Payton a, uh, a big tip of the hat and much gratitude for, for all the things he's done for me and my family. And I wish him all the best. You know, I'm sure this is something he's, he's thought through. And uh, that it's not an irrational decision. It's something that may have been underway for a while, but we'll we'll find out more as time passes here, and we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I see Sean in a booth or somewhere, you know, in television. He's just got so much knowledge. Yeah, he's 58 years old, so it's not a situation where we're not going to see Sean Payton again, right? I mean, he is such a smart guy. He's so charismatic. He has a lot of interesting stories from his time in New Orleans that he could relate back to broadcasts if he were to be in a booth. He obviously is still coaching at a high level if another opportunity came up for another organization. But let's say he never coaches again. He's one of the all-time greats for the run that he had with the Saints, with Drew Brees, turning that franchise around. Obviously, what you did and what the Dome Patrol did with Jim Morris Sr., that was the most prolonged success New Orleans had in the history of its franchise. But when Sean Payton and Drew Brees got there, it took it to a whole nother level. And that will never be forgotten by Saints fans or football fans anywhere. That Super Bowl season was magical. Yeah, and if there's one play that kind of personifies who Sean Payton was, it was uh, the opening onside kick in the second half of the Super Bowl. Just the, the the balls, if you will, to call that play, you know, and to say, hey, Payton Manning is on the other side. We need to take a possession away from him, and then we need to go on a long drive and score. And they did after the successful onside kick by Thomas Morstead. They went on a big drive and scored a touchdown. And I think it was a difference in the football game in the Super Bowl. And it's the reason they won the, the game. So, yeah, he took risks, you know, calculated risks. He had the guts to make some tough calls. He would go for it on certain, you know, on fourth downs. And he was creative in his play calling. Always fun to watch what he came up with. So, and I always felt like he used his players to the fullest, like really put him in situations to shine. And uh, that's going to be his his legacy, the way he was in the locker room with him and his leadership. 
Yeah, great. Great, man. Great coach. So that's the breaking news there on Sean Payton. Obviously, as things develop with him, we will talk about it right here on Great Dane Nation. Before we get to Morton's game winner on Ed Reed and before we get to this week's Fast Five, I wanted to tell you guys about our friends from DraftKings. The DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you the DraftKings Championship Series, the king of competitions. DraftKings Championship Series is the ultimate competition of contest winners from Daily Fantasy, Sportsbook, and Casino. The best of the best in each domain will compete for series supremacy in their own domain's tournament of champions. They'll have one goal in mind, win the ultimate crown and earn the title of the greatest of all time, the GOAT. Here's how you qualify. In daily fantasy, you have to either win a fantasy world championship with qualification required or win one of the 89 millionaires, which has a direct buy-in. On the sportsbook side, you have to either win a sportsbook championship or win a designated sportsbook pool with a direct buy-in for both. And on the casino side, you have to get on the casino leaderboard with a direct buy-in there as well. Make sure you check out DraftKings.com for more information on dates and locations. The DraftKings Championship Series is the king of competitions. All right, let's get into Morton's Fast Five. This is Morton's Fast Five presented by BetMGM, where we usually run through the five biggest games of the weekend. We give you the Hall of Fame knowledge and you guys place your bets accordingly. But there's only two games left. We have Championship Sunday upon us. Bengals at Chiefs, 49ers at Rams. Hopefully the games are as exciting as they were last weekend, Morton. I'm fired up. Let's go. Yeah, this is it's getting down to the good stuff. I mean, I don't know how it gets much better than this past weekend. Holy cow. I mean, and the, and the Chiefs were part of that game. Whew. Unbelievable game. Greatest game I've ever watched. Chiefs-Buffalo. Two quarterbacks playing at a high level. Who had the ball last? That's why, you know, I tweeted out I didn't like the OT uh, rules because I, I just felt like that game deserved to give the ball to Josh Allen one last time to see if he could tie it up. I feel like there's an OT rule change coming. I just do. Because if you, it shouldn't depend on winning the toss and then going down and scoring a touchdown and drop the mic. If you do that, give the other team a chance to score a touchdown at least. It just felt like a buzzkill to me because of what Josh Allen had done inside two minutes and then what Patrick Mahomes had done right back with 13 seconds. It was insane, man. It deserved to be played out more. Am I greedy? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I totally understand what you're saying. And it's funny because you have the Bills sitting in the same chair that the Chiefs were back in the 2018 AFC Championship game where the Patriots came back. They tied the game. Then they went to overtime. They won the toss and the Chiefs never got to take the field again. So now we're seeing Mahomes benefit from the OT rule, whereas before he was a victim of it. So we will see how that plays out. I'm sure the competition committee will hear a lot about that in the offseason. But let's get to the games this weekend. The Bengals are in Kansas City for the AFC Championship game Sunday at 3 o'clock on CBS. According to our friends at BetMG, 
BetMGM. The Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites at the time of this recording. And we have two teams coming off incredible wins in divisional weekend, like we talked about just now. Yeah, and this will now be the fourth straight AFC Championship game appearance for the Chiefs. That's something only the Patriots waiver capable of doing in the modern era. So we talk about how Mahomes is going to be the next GOAT. He clearly will be, and he deserves to be. And you just have to appreciate the run he's been on, like in the moment, because you just never know what could happen in this game. So give the Chiefs offensive line a lot of credit, right? They were horrendous last year. I mean, remember the Super Bowl in Tampa, and Mahomes was scrambling for 600 yards, which, you know, that's never a good thing when your quarterback is doing that. Hard to throw the forward pass laying down on your back. So they fixed it. They basically revamped the whole offensive line and they played well against Buffalo. Mahomes was only sacked twice on 44 pass attempts. So that was that's going to be crucial against the Bengals again. Uh, so we know how important it is for Mahomes to have some time. The X factor for the Chiefs, that'll be Travis Kelsey. Not a great revelation there until you start looking at the numbers. The Bengals defense, 26 in the NFL at defending the tight end position. Now it becomes relevant and knowing that little tidbit of information. So you know that Andy Reid's gonna know that and he's gonna be ready to let his tight end hopefully cook up a beautiful win for him. On the other hand, the Bengals, man, surprise of the tournament for sure. They got swagger. They have a kicker in Evan McPherson who absolutely balled and put a 52-yarder down the throat of Tennessee when it mattered. Absolute nails right there. They got a quarterback with some swagger. Unbelievable. You know, he's uh, he's playing at a very high level, high level. And he's got his LSU buddy, Jamar Chase, and just continues to show why he should be the AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. So it's going to be a good game. The X Factor for the Bengals. They're going to need that talented front seven on defense to make some plays, right? To slow down that red-hot Kansas City offense. Bengals D-line is one of the best units in the league. They can get some pressure on Mahomes. It'll be a close game. I'm predicting the Chiefs at home winning and going to another Super Bowl. I just can't see the Bengals putting up a hell of a lot of points. I mean... We'll see. Kelsey will have a monster game. Kansas City advances to their third straight Super Bowl. On the other side of the bracket, the 49ers are in Los Angeles to take on the Rams in the NFC Championship game Sunday at 6.30 on Fox. According to our friends at BetMGM, the Rams are three and a half point favorites at the time of this recording. And we came into this season hyping up the NFC West, and here we are with two division rivals facing off for the right to play in Super Bowl 56. Martin, what is going to happen? Well, the 49ers have kind of had the Rams number. They've really they've dominated them, I think. 6-0 in the last six games. Garoppolo, he's a stud at 38-15. Career numbers, those are winning numbers. He's not an elite quarterback, but he wins. He doesn't kill the Niners. He manages the game. So that's really a studly career record as a starter in the NFL, both regular season and postseason. The Rams defense is a beast. Aaron Donald, best player maybe in the NFL. He just asserted himself against Tampa Bay in that middle. 
disrupted the middle and just Brady couldn't find anything open. So on the defensive side with Miller and with Aaron Donald looks really good for the Rams. They're a little suspect in the backfield though against the pass. So on offense, Cooper Cup has had an all world season as a wide receiver. Unbelievable. And I actually think it's helped Odell Beckham Jr. kind of fit into the role of, dare I say it, the second receiver on a football team. He's normally the go-to guy, but it allows now Odell to play the fade routes, to run his route tree and be effective where he without all the attention and lights on him. So I think Cooper Cup has actually helped Odell Beckham be a better player. This is gonna be a good football game. The Niners are coming, they have to go on the road. These are two teams that are very familiar with each other. I like the Rams at home because of their defense, that defensive front. And I just think that they'll get it done with their receivers and their defense. But I think the Niners make it close. They do have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Those are excellent, excellent players. We can make all the fun we want out of uh, Jimmy G. And you can you say, well, he's not an elite quarterback. The bottom line is he wins ball games. So it's going to be a close game. But I'm picking the Rams to face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, second team in a row to actually be in a Super Bowl with home field advantage. This is in SoFi Stadium, the Super Bowl will be played. So, yeah, I'm taking the Rams. Okay, there you go. Chiefs, Rams, Super Bowl. Way too early prediction before the matchup's even set. Who you got? Chiefs, Rams. Who wins the Super Bowl? Chiefs. Too much offensive firepower. Too much Mahomes. They've been there a bunch of times. They're the new uh, dynasty in the NFL. I just, I see the Chiefs being able to hoist Lombardi again. All right, there you go. So if it's Chiefs, Rams, Morton is going with the Chiefs. All right, now it's time for Morton's Game Winner. The heartbeat within the lines. Are you listening? That is the essence of football and getting it done. No empty talk or shallow promises will do. Only keeping it real and a feeling it fully matters. You must take it. There's a promise set and a promise kept between brothers. Iron sharpens iron. Ed Reed understands and lives this more than most. He knows it. It lives within the fibers of his being. That is why Ed Reed is a Hall of Famer. Call him a ball hawk as well. It's a compliment. Who intercepts a ball eight yards deep in the end zone only to bring it out and take it to the house for a score? Ed Reed does because he knows and feels that he can. Just try to stop him. You won't. You can't. He tells his coaches, my plays are gonna get you paid. And he's right. This is big boy stuff, and coaches have a tendency to want to dictate and exert themselves on their players. Ed knows that it's a partnership between player and coach. He also reminds them that it is men before player. He asks the question, how do you operate? The old mentality is done. Forget the talking down to, the old mentality does not work. Modern players won't listen to it and won't follow it. It's no longer the coach way that dictates. Players play and players win. 
Ed Reed won because he poured himself into the game and brought his team along with him. One of his proudest moments was being able to pour himself into the late, great Sean Taylor. Ed was his mentor and opened his mind with a humble heart and made a difference to Sean. That is real stuff. Powerful testimony from a man who had the most important element going for him. The heartbeat within the lines. We'll see you next time. BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks, and they have a really cool promotion going on right now for new players only. Bet $10 to win $200 if your team scores a touchdown. Bet on any NFL money line, and if your team scores a touchdown, you'll receive an additional $200 in free bets. Must be 21 or older to play. Legal in Arizona, New Jersey, Indiana, Colorado, Tennessee, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. only. Full terms and conditions apply. BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks, and it's the official odds maker of Great Dane Nation.